Why is it that we seem to always pay back evil for evil? Most of us would say we don't do that, that that's not anything they would ever do is to pay evil for evil, but we still do. It, it may not be like a calculated response, uh, but we still do it. it it's almost like a, a reaction. Uh, someone says something to us and we come back just immediately. Uh, we may shake our fist at a motorist that cuts us off. Uh, well, we didn't do really anything bad, I guess you could say to them. But it was still evil for evil. Uh, uh, someone says something harsh to us and we respond with something ugly or vulgar. And we say, well, I was just letting off steam. It's still evil for evil. Uh, it's a type of repaying somebody for the evil that they've done to us. We may even try to justify our actions. We, we might say, well, you know, the Bible, after all, says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And, you know, the Bible does say that. But where that is found in Scripture, it's talking about civil justice, it's talking about the way the law is to act, not personal vengeance. Uh, it's not meant for me to use that as a justification to exact my own vengeance. Because vengeance belongs to God, not to me. We still try to justify our actions. We, we, we say, well, I'm just holding my ground. If I, if I don't have some type of response, they'll run over me. They, they'll push me aside. Uh, I gotta give some payback or else the aggressor will eventually just overwhelm me. Getting even then, if you think about it, by definition, is giving in return like we've received. That's giving bad for bad. Uh, we say, well, it, it's it's to establish fair play. <laughs> it's still giving bad for bad. Uh, our ego uh, stands up quickly and, and, and says, well, I can't just let anybody run all over me. But when we respond with evil for evil, we're still giving bad for bad. What would Jesus do? Our... More specifically, what does Jesus want us to do? Uh, we've been studying the fruit of the Spirit for a few weeks now. We've looked at the qualities of love and joy, and now we've talked about peace for a couple of weeks. Uh, Jesus came to bring peace between God and humankind. And now free from guilt of sin and having a relationship with God, we can have inner peace with ourselves. Jesus brought the remedy for sin. Uh, he paid the penalty for sin. Christians need to be persons of peace. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And in addition to establishing peace between us and God, Jesus came to bring peace among those who believe in God and those who follow Jesus. The Lord calls his disciples to peace. Uh, he calls us to live in peace. 
that's so clearly seen in the Sermon on the Mount, in that sermon, which is kind of like the Magna Carta of the doctrine of Christ, <laughs> it's, it talks about how we are to live with one another. Look at some of the words in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. That's Matthew 5, verse 9. Or 22, verse 22 in Matthew 5. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable of hell fire. Drop down a little further in verse 34, or 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Still now a little further in verse 43. You've heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those uh, who persecute you. Jesus wants his disciples to live at peace with one another. He doesn't want strife and conflict and difficulties and anger. Happy are those who seek peace. God sees those people as like his children. I'm not sure what Jesus would say about self-defense. There's uh, a lot of different verses there that might be important for us to look at, especially in the Old Testament. And Peter even took a knife to the Garden of Gethsemane. But those are extreme cases. That's not everyday life. It's very seldom that we're going to be in that circumstance where we're having to fight for our life. Instead of looking at the extreme, let's look at the practical. Every day. How do I live today? How do I live in family? How do I live with my neighbor? How do I live at work How do I live in relation to the people around me? The practical that every one of us face every day. Let's learn how to live in peace in a world that's torn with strife. Let's learn how to reduce the tension around us with words of peace instead of words of hatred and distrust and division and turmoil and separation. You see, that's what we're hearing every day. How do we find words of peace? From the beginning, when sin entered the world, strife and anger and discord entered the world. Separation between God and man. That was the initial enmity, the initial strife. Sin not only caused separation between us and God, but it also caused separation between man and man, between people. Uh, Cain envied Abel and the relationship that Abel had with God, and so Cain killed Abel. That's sin bringing strife. If you go through the study, uh, go all throughout history, all throughout the Old Testament, all through secular history, every, there is strife 
because somebody's doing something bad to somebody else. There's anger, there's war, there's heartache, there's crying because someone is doing something bad to someone else. Hearts separated from God live in strife. People separated from God do evil things to other people. And so the strife that's in this world is principally a product of the sin that's in this world. There's going to be war, there's going to be strife, there's going to be difficulty, there's going to be anger, there's going to be problems as long as there is sin. And indeed there is problem in this world today. There's strife in this world today. There's rhetoric between the United States and Russia or between the U.S. and Korea or Iran or, or there's rhetoric between Democrats and Republicans or between environmentalists and just about anybody else. There, there, there's problems between Muslims and Christians and Hindus and Hindus and Christians and there's strife, there's turmoil, there, there's anger, there's even murder. You don't see it quite as much today as you did just a few years ago, but Christians have fought wars against others in the name of God. There's still conflict in in Ireland, uh, uh, and it's primarily Catholic against Presbyterians. Not even Christians who claim to follow the Prince of Peace Always get along with others who claim to follow the Prince of Peace. Because there's sin in our hearts. There's strife in our hearts. There's evil in our hearts. There is this sense of, I gotta do evil because evil was done to me. I gotta get even. And so fighting continues. War continues. It's interesting. When Jesus came to the world, the world was controlled by Rome. Rome was the city of the empire. And Rome championed war, valued the gallant soldier and the wars that they had won. Their armies had conquered just about the whole world. During the days of Jesus, the Roman armies were everywhere and they would destroy anyone who raised their head to to try to resist in any way. Uh, But into the city of Rome, the city of the empire, the city of the might of the sword, came disciples of the Prince of Peace. Came those who believed in Jesus, who had adopted a different lifestyle and a different value system, upside down from what the Roman world believed. Paul wrote to that church in Rome. Uh, it's the book of Romans, and that touches on just about all the doctrines of the church. And in that book, Paul writes about Christian behavior. How it is that we live with one another. How we're supposed to treat each other. How we're supposed to act toward one another. That was the passage that we read this morning. Part of those verses, beginning at verse 14, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another. 
Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil. Give thought to do whatever is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So what were Paul's instructions for the church there in the city of the empire? In the place where might was uh, the determiner, or rather right, was determined by might? Paul says, well, he repeats the doctrine of Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers. He says, if you are abused or mistreated, don't curse, but bless. He says, don't return evil for evil, but good. He says, respect all others. Respect their opinions. He didn't say agree with them, but he did say respect them. Don't cause trouble and strife. Live at peace if you can. Instead of giving vengeance, give charity. Your charity should convict then the person of their evil. It, it should... It should impact their conscience so that they will change eventually, overcome evil around you by doing good instead of evil. In other words, instead of evil for evil, give good for evil. Christians seek to live in peace. Christians seek peace, not power. Now, different is that from that Roman world (laughs) or from this American society. Christians proclaim the will of God not by threat of war but by the love of God. We don't try to force people we shouldn't try to force people to believe as we believe. We should teach them the love of God. While we've been studying the fruit of the Spirit, that's in the book of Galatians. Remember, that description of the fruit of the Spirit came after Paul described the deeds of the flesh. The deeds of the flesh are, in essence, opposite. The opposite lifestyle of the fruit of the Spirit. When you look at the deeds of the flesh... It's remarkable to me how many of them are strife-causing, division-causing, hatred-causing. Galatians 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, uh, sensuality, uh, idolatry, sorcery, immaterial, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. All of those are things that cause strife between people, cause hardship between people, cause anger between people. Going on in the reading, verse 21, envying, drunking, orgies, 
and the likes of these, as I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Enmities. That's bitter attitudes between people. That's conflict. That's anger that exists. Strife. That's the act of fighting or quarreling with one another. Jealousy. That's resentment or suspicion because there's something that I don't like about you or there's some, some problem between you and me. You've got something that I want or outburst of anger. That's fits of rage. Disputes, quarrels, uh, uh, debates, dissensions, that's disagreements that, that just build and grow more and more. That's having a quarrelsome attitude. How many of us just carry that with us all the time? We just love to argue. Quarrelsome attitude. Factions. Partisan conflict. It doesn't matter if the other side is right or wrong. Just because they're on the other side, I'm going to be angry at them. I'm going to argue against them. I'm going to reject whatever is said just because they're on the other side. Does that not describe us sometimes? It's not whether or not the idea is correct or or incorrect. It's that it's from the other side. So it's got to be wrong. If our lives are causing that type of reaction with those that we are around and the circles that we live, then I suggest that we may not be persons of peace. If my attitude with you, if my relationship with you is causing enmities or strives or jealousy or outbursts of anger or factions, then one of the two of us is not a person of peace. Maybe both of us. But Christians are called to be people of peace. If our deeds generate those type of responses, we are not people of peace. And Jesus calls us to be people of peace. It is part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's how, if if that's not in us, then, then the Spirit of God isn't. At least He's not able to produce His fruit in us. Now, the world respects power. I get that. Uh, and you see that all the time. And God's established governments to enforce laws and punish evildoers. I understand that. Power on the world stage seems to be really important to the world. And in a certain sense, even though it may not be good, it's still true, might generally determines right, at least on the world stage. But remember, that's the kingdoms of the world, not the kingdom of Christ, not the kingdom of God. And so what works in the world that is largely controlled by Satan doesn't need to be what controls the kingdom of God. Isn't what needs to control you and me because we are citizens of the kingdom of God. But even in the kingdoms of the world, might, power, force, 
never changes hearts. It only hardens attitudes. We can't make people want to do what's right. We can't make people love each other. We can't make people serve one another. We might force some uh, compliance, but underneath that, we will also be breeding hatred and resentment and anger. And at the first sign of a weakness in our force, that anger and resentment and hatred will spew out. The submitted generally lie in wait looking for an opportunity to get even. And so that doesn't solve. Getting even never solves anything. It doesn't remove conflict. It just perpetuates anger and conflict and dissension and strife and turmoil. You see, the kingdom of Christ is upside down, I guess you could say, from from the world's understanding. Hearts that have been changed by the Spirit seek peace, not power. So Christ in us is going to be someone that seeks peace, living in peace, living in harmony, living in a sense of love for one another. The Spirit in believers will make people practice peace and goodwill. Not hatred, not strife, not vengeance. That's why we are led by servants, not dictators. That's why Jesus is called the greatest of servants. That's why we value love, not hate. That's why we are encouraged to bless not curse. That's why we give. Give to one another. Give to those in need. Not take. The only way that you and I can get ahead is by lying or cheating. Then we don't need to get ahead. If the only way we can profit is by being dishonest, by hurting somebody else, then we need to lose. Because Christians are people of peace, kindness, and love. We give a blessing instead of a curse. We seek to be at peace with all, as far as it depends on us. We are not the cause of the problem. As Jeff Walling said a couple of weeks ago as they, he looked at the Sermon on the Mount, let us each be the first to stop the fighting. Let me encourage all of us to be disciples of the Prince of Peace. And, and we begin that discipleship by saying, I am a sinner. I am guilty. 
I need the forgiveness of Jesus and come to Him in repentance and take His forgiveness. The washing by His blood, when we are baptized into Christ, we are buried with Him like He was buried ourselves in water and then we are raised to walk in newness of life. If you've not been baptized into Christ, let me encourage you to do that today. And then be changed. Give up the, the angers of the past and take the freedoms of forgiveness and the love of Christ. Perhaps you're here this morning and you need prayer to, to overcome some problem in your life, some, some difficulty, some dissension, some strife that you're going through. We'll pray with you to help, help you resolve that. Let, let's be standing. Kyle will lead us again in another song. And while we're praising God in that song, if you want prayers, some of our prayer warriors will be in the foyer ready to pray with you. Our elders, some of their wives will be there. Us, Others of us here at the front. If we can pray with you, we want to pray with you. If you're ready to become a child of God, a Christian, we invite you to do that today as well. Won't you come while we praise God in song?